I am so excited. I've been looking for a way to have a little bit more fun on the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. So why not do so with Breezy Bree Blabs? I know, totally innovative, right? But guess what? My life is crazy and yoga is a lifelong practice. So I need a little bit of comic relief. And together we can do just that. So I hope you have fun listening to me blab on and on about tons of different topics some about yoga some not about yoga so i hope you're down dog and i will meet you off of the mat namaste hello welcome namaste you are listening to yoga podcast and it is me your host breezy Bree. so i am going to quote one of the Fathers of medicine, the father of medicine, Hippocrates. And he says, walking is man's best medicine. So yes, let's talk about the art and the gift and the science of walking. So a lot of times we can get caught up in the need to do much more, you know, rather it's even taking that Ashtanga class or some sort of vinyasa type class, some very expressive yoga flow, or we need to do handstands, or we need to go on a run or play a sport, lift weights. All of that is really important. I have talked about a lot of different compliments to yoga, rather it's Pilates, or yoga is a very push-dominated discipline when we're thinking about the physical attributes that it has. It's very push-oriented. So we push ourselves away from the ground, for instance. We're pushing through our muscle structure. But we're not pulling. We're not pulling something toward us or pulling something off of the ground. So I've talked about in the past the importance of adding in pulling to your practice as a compliment to yoga. So if you are a hardcore, dedicated asana practitioner, you know, you practice five to six times a week or maybe even seven, and you don't do a whole lot else, you definitely want to add in some pulling into your regimen. So that could be like deadlifting, very low weight from a barbell or dumbbells or even higher weight depending on your um, capability and anything that you do consistently with deliberate intention and focus, you will level up. So even if you start pulling just two dumbbells with great form, you know, pressing through your legs, through the bottoms of your feet, through your thighs, not utilizing your back. So if you need to get a trainer, you would need to do that. So you're doing it very correctly so that you're not you know, hurting your spine in one discipline and then trying to fix it with yoga or another discipline or even worse, injuring yourself. But essentially, you want to complement your yoga practice if that is all you're doing. So pulling exercises is one of those things. However, outside of that, and of course, you can get pulling through Pilates, TRX, um, kettlebells, There's, uh, you know, you can pull yourself up a rope. You can do pull-ups, chin-ups. I'm trying to think of some quick options. I will link some previous shows in today's show notes that you could go back and listen to where I discussed the mind-muscle 
connection as well as um, how you can incorporate things like body weight and also um, weightlifting, strength training into your wellness fitness programs. <sighs> okay, I had to say all of that because I do not want the listener, you, to think that I am dismissing the importance of any of that. There's also great importance of cardiovascular type anaerobic and aerobic practices or um, sports and, and exercises that you should be doing, okay, for sure. Rather that swimming, biking, running, this, that, and the other. Dancing, 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 dancing. To be honest, for me, I've done everything. I've been a competitive dancer. I've been a marathon, ultra marathon runner. My dream one day is to do a full Ironman. I'm going to do it, you know, I don't know, 20 years from now so I can get a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of wiggle room on the finishing completion time requirements. <laughs> At least that's what I always say, right? But um, truth be told, I'm into all of that stuff too. I love competitive sports and, you know, having to push myself and all of that. But in today's episode, we're going to talk about the simplicity of the moving meditative practices such as walking. I don't think we take for truth what walking really can do for our lives mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And if you have a dog or a horse, then you have just multiplied all of those benefits times infinity, I promise you. So let's talk about walking. Walking is truly the best medicine. Now, what is medicine? Medicine is when you need to heal yourself, right? Let's look up the exact meaning of medicine. Okay, what is the definition of medicine? Well, what is medicine? Medicine is a substance or preparation used in treating disease. It is the science and art dealing with the maintenance of health and the prevention, alleviation, or cure of disease. The branch of medicine concerned with the non-surgical treatment of disease. So we heard disease in every single one of those definitions, okay? So walking is the best medicine. So we are talking about creating preventive, proactive measures to disease or the treatment of disease. So I want you to think about walking as a part of what you should be doing as like a minimum requirement. We were born and bred to walk. I mean, we were not technically born able to walk, but we were born to learn to walk. And unless you have an ailment that prevents you from walking, literally walking, rather that means you are wheelchair bound, you are unable to walk without um, using braces or a walker or something of that nature, then you have the full capacity to be able to right now begin to walk, okay? So this episode is going to be 
utilizing the assumption that there is nothing preventing you from walking, okay? Now, I will say before I begin in discussing why and how you should consider walking being a minimum requirement to your life daily, I want to just point out that I walk my dog every single day, rain or shine. I'm totally lying to all of you right now. I walk my dog most days, especially when it's shining, sun, shiny outside. Um, But I would like to be more, I think, um, disciplined and to be able to say I walk my dog no matter what, rain or shine. And part of me recording and publishing, researching, studying different topics for yoga podcasts is because I am a student. (laughs) I am either trying to learn this stuff so that I can teach it or I'm teaching this stuff because I've learned it. Um, But in today's episode, this is also something that is really a big part of my wanting to be better at as well. So I've been walking my dog really consistently Um, and typically whenever the weather is really well anyway and I live where we get sunshine most of the year so probably you know 250 days out of 365 kind of thing Um, it's a pretty sunny place but the problem with living somewhere that is really typically good weather is that even if the weather drops slightly It is freezing to me. (laughs) So anything below like 65 degrees, I'm freezing. Um, If there's even an overcast and a lower temperature, there's it's hard for me to get out. So I got caught out in the rain the other day and my first inclination was to run toward my car um, with my dog. We were actually on a walk and we were probably half a mile into the walk when it started to sprinkle. And then I was going to just make a beeline basically for the car and get the heck out of there. But instead, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go look for shelter and we're going to hang out outside in the rain. I'm going to pet my dog and just enjoy that moment, make it a bit of a mindful, meditative moment between he and I. And guess what? We did that for about 15 minutes and the rain stopped and we went on to walk, I think, another three miles or so um and it was fine it was perfect and I would have really regretted that had I given up and just left so there's that now the other part of what I wanted to preference before I delve deeper in today's episode is that I've started walking my dog in a place where there are not many dogs because I got a new little puppy her name is Bella Mia she's the sweetest but tiniest little dog ever. She came to me just under a pound and a half at about eight weeks old. She is a Yorkie Poo, so Yorkie Poodle mix. And she's not expected to grow bigger than about five pounds. Although when my poodle was little, he was about two pounds, two to three pounds. He wasn't expected to grow too big and he grew to be 15 pounds. So Um, I try to take all of that prediction with a grain of salt and um, I didn't get her from like this breeder who knows exactly what they're doing and you know this and that so um, 
essentially, I don't know how big she's going to get, but she's very tiny now. And so I'm very concerned about uh, parvo puppy virus, which is very dangerous to dogs. It's very easily transmitted under the right conditions. And I live in a condo where there's tons of small dogs, tons. I mean, we're talking like groups and groups of small dogs everywhere all the time. And I don't know if everybody's vaccinated and this and that, and I'm just not going to take any risks. So I do not let my poodle go to the dog run that's at my condo. And we are no longer going to the park where dogs congregate. And we are absolutely not hanging out at the pet store like we used to once a week. We would go and get treats and check out the birds and the hamsters and the mice and all of that as a bit of an activity, a little field trip for the poodle. And the only thing we're doing is play dates with my little god pup. Um, he's my little, I'm his Nina, our little Shizu. And he'll come every couple of weeks and spend some time with us. But he's um, nice and healthy and current. And that's good for the new little puppy for socialization. So right now what we're doing is we're going on walks where there are not any humans um, taking their dogs typically. So that is this big corporate type, um, I guess it's like a probably a 10 mile radius of nothing but corporate buildings, but they're beautiful grassy knolls connecting the buildings to each other, as well as really large parking lots where I can play with the poodle, as well as just walk him around. He loves it because he gets to sniff lots of new places. Well, um, I'm not the only one who's thought of this because I bumped into another person who is walking his puppies there. He has two small German shepherd pups, which I'm guessing he's trying to protect them from Parvo as well. And he is also taking his, I'm making an assumption here, but I'm guessing his grandmother or grandfather, I couldn't tell. Um, but a very elderly person is accompanying him on the walk. And she or he has a walker and they have one of the pups attached to the walker and they're moving very slowly, but they go out for about an hour and we usually kind of uh, pass each other, um, you know, about, I guess, 20 feet apart. We'll see each other and just wave. But that's the only other person with dogs that I see out in this space. So... It's really interesting because the person on the walker is getting to walk and the pups are getting to walk and the humans are getting to walk and everybody's bonding and I'm bonding with my dog who's walking and then I take the little Yorkie poo Bella and I put her in like a little dog carrier that's strapped to my chest and I don't take her every single time um, but when I do take her I make sure the poodle knows that she's there and they get treats and they sniff each other so that he thinks she's on the walk with us. And it is such a beautiful bonding experience. But it is medicine, not only to me, but to my dog. And so it's really important. And because I have this new puppy, I have not been practicing yoga. I've been wanting to practice yoga. I've been trying to practice yoga, but I have not been able to practice yoga. And part of that is I'm work working wholeheartedly on training. I'm training the poodle to be accepting of the little dog, the little puppy. I'm training the puppy, you know, how to fetch and sit. And she's 
90% potty trained. And um, so there's a lot of attention being paid to them. It's constant, actually. And so um, I have not really found any time to do any yoga since I've had her and I've had her now for a month. So I have not practiced asana in a month at all. (laughs) I think I've taken tree pose, mountain pose, and warrior three a few times, but have not practiced any yoga. I have not taught any yoga as well. Um, I did teach one workshop when I first got her, um, but it was a trauma-informed workshop. And I took her with me and she hung out in her little um, yoga bag or, or in her doggy bag. And um, she was so small that, you know, she was just sleeping the whole entire time. So that is it. And I don't know when I'm going to get back to asana practice, but it has been really fun walking. Now, I walk all the time anyway because I walk my dog whenever it's spring and summer and fall. Um, autumn time, I walk my dog pretty much every day or at least five times a week anyway for about 30 minutes to an hour. That's just what I do. And um, I enjoy the walk. He enjoys the walk. And it's really nice. However, um, I have really been trying to be very mindful on these walks recently and focusing on pratyama since I haven't been able to practice asana with pratyama. So I've been taking deep inhalations, deep exhalations during the walk, which is really good for Bella, the puppy, because it puts her to sleep. I'm so relaxed. I'm calm. It's good for the poodle because he's staying calm. Also, it's really important for me not to lose my temper if he's... um, you know, having an issue with the puppy, like he's doesn't, he thinks she's going to steal his toy or his food. He gets a little bit um, reactive. And then I'm being really mindful not to match that reactivity. So I'm staying really calm and collected. I mean, this is the fifth dog that I would have personally trained. So I pretty much have it down pat at this point, knowing how to stay patient and proactive with dogs is probably other than teaching yoga this is probably my passion is um dogs so with all of that said i started um realizing that not only do i need to walk my dog once a day like i've always done but he usually gets to go everywhere with me he goes on errands with me he goes to work with me um from time to time he used to go to work with me every single day up until um about last year because of everything happening with covid i was able to you know take him on more walks and things like that so i quit taking him into the office with me at the beginning of 2021 when things started to open back up just so I could get back in the swing of things and also being mindful not to create an anxiety um, separation between he and I. So I've been really mindful about not taking him to the office every single day, getting him more used to staying home alone again, even if it's just for a couple of hours and he's done really well. Then I brought the puppy. I got the puppy. So now she's going to work with me every single day. And so I'm trying to remember to walk him in the morning and in the evening, but without somehow tracking in Parvo into my house. So it's been 
a job to say the least. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I've been rambling for almost 20 minutes about this. I hope you all have been able to bear with me through my own experience here. This might have to turn into a breezy bree blabs because um, this is definitely not a constructive podcast episode. So let's talk about walking being thy medicine and the best medicine for the mind, the body, the spirit. Well, they say 10,000 steps is something that we should strive for every single day. If you have a smartphone, it's probably able to track that. Um, All you need to do is put it in your pocket. It'll track you walking around your office, around your house, and on more intentional walks. And then every single day, you can track that and see how close you got to 10,000. It could become a fun game where you purposely get up every 20 to 30 minutes and you go and you walk around, you get some, you know, energy, you clear your mind. Those of you who are able to, you know, do your conference calls or your meetings while just walking, you know, grab your coworker, your teammate, your boss, whoever, and go on a deliberate, intentional walk and talk about whatever the topic is that you guys are coming up with. Go on creative walks where you can talk with others about maybe a project that you guys are trying to come up with ideas about. If you are trying to be creative on your own or you're trying to go through um, a time where you're thinking about what you should do, you know, the pros and the cons, or should you take this vacation? Should you buy this house? Should you, you know, sell this car? Whatever it is, just put on your shoes and go on a walk. So let's talk about what it is that you need for your walk. First of all, I do not go on walks without protection. If I'm walking alone, I always make sure I have my phone fully charged. That's number one. I send my location to someone who is my backup. So, you know, rather that's a friend, a family member, a loved one. Send your location the moment you start your walk. Um, Let them know you'll tell them when your walk is over. And if they don't hear from you, they need to reach out to you. And then if they still don't hear from you, they need to report it. Um, Make sure you have good shoes on. So not only to protect your body during the walk because it is low impact, but it is impactful, especially if you're walking on concrete or you're hiking. Um, If you're walking on softer surfaces like sand um, or grass, then you have a lot more bounce back for your joints and your ligaments, which could be really important for those of you who need to worry about that, especially if you have any hip joint knee issues, ankle issues, just go walk on grassy knolls, walk through a park, things of that nature. If that's not you, but you still want some good support, make sure you have arch support on your feet. Um, And so good tennis shoes, good shoes that support your body is really imperative. Good socks, you know, things that have airflow that don't get sweaty, aren't going to cause blisters, rashes. There's nothing worse than 
you not being used to walking and then you start causing blisters and calluses and things that are very uncomfortable. If you're new to any type of walking, you're going to want to start off very, very small. Just walking five to ten minutes after each meal to help move the digestive tract along. Um, And then work your way up to 30 minutes, which is about, I guess, somewhere between half a mile to a mile, depending on how fast you're walking for the average walker. And then work your way up to an hour and then work your way up to an hour and a half. Um, You're always going to want to walk when it's light out so you can be more protected, okay? Wear reflective gear. So have something reflective, a reflective jacket, um, a reflective strap around the waist, reflective shoelaces, whatever that may be if you are walking before the sun rises or as it's setting. Always walk with someone else, whether you need that for motivation, accountability, or for safety reasons if you're concerned about that. Walking with someone else can also mean walking in highly public areas, walking on public trails, public parks, Malls are great places to walk. You can walk in big box stores as long as you don't buy things. (laughs) You can um, walk around areas where there are frequently a lot of people, essentially. So if you're walking alone, but you don't want to be isolated, that's the way to do it. Walking during lunchtime is a good time to walk as well because typically there's a lot of people around and you can feel safe and secure in doing so. Now, you can also walk while talking on the phone. This helps you to walk just about where it starts to make you lose your breath, right? So then you can slow down a bit if you want to keep like a steady pace and walk a little bit longer. This is a great time to make phone calls, whether business related or calling people like your grandparents or your parents or your children, whoever, just checking in with people. This is a great time to do that. I typically do not talk on the phone um, to my family members unless I'm on a walk where I'm not needing to pay attention to my dog. So let's say he's just enjoying himself. We're just having a nice leisurely walk. I'm not teaching him anything such as um, I like to do very strategic walks with my dog where I'll get him to jump on a bench and then sit and then jump off. He gets a treat or we run up a hill, we run down a hill or we sprint or whatever. Or I'm trying to get him to focus on me or focus on something in particular. And then there's walks where he's allowed to you know, sniff and smell and kind of just we can move very slow. We're not in any kind of hurry. And that's when I will make like phone calls to family members or friends and just check in. Okay, so that's another way to to um, be engaged. You never want to have earphones in both ears on a walk or a run for that matter. You don't want to get hit by a car or a bicyclist or you don't want a stray dog or a dog that gets off leash to come up and attack you or if you're walking your dog, you want to stay alert. So if you do have music playing, I like to have my phone in like a pocket with music maybe playing really, really low where like I'm the only one who can hear it basically. Um, Just to kind of make the walk a little bit pleasant. It's also a good way for me to time how long I've been on the walk if I'm playing like let's say like um, a certain artist's album, and I know the album's an hour long, I'll just turn that on and it's kind of background noise. Sometimes I like to play meditation music while I'm walking, but most of the time I like to just walk without sound. 
Um, but it's a good time to also play an audiobook or a podcast as well. So as long as you feel safe wherever you're walking. So if you're walking around the mall, that's a great time to put in an earphone and listen to a podcast or an audiobook, right? Because you're not really needing to be on the lookout for anything in particular because you're you're feeling pretty secure, okay? Um, you want to make sure you have sunscreen on, sunglasses on, a hat, things like that if it's very sunny. If, it, if you're going to be around weather, like rain, and you know it's going to rain and you don't mind, maybe you wear a rain jacket or you have one tied around your waist, you get the point. I say all of that because surprisingly, you may not have thought about some of this stuff. And then just like yoga, if you don't have the right yoga mat, you might not realize why you don't like practicing. It could be something as simple as your mat. Okay, safety, other safety things. I always walk with mace. I always walk with a whistle. I always walk with, um, like I said, a fully charged phone. I always walk with um, some sort of protection. So I used to run with a runner stun gun and it used to wrap around my knuckles. So if somebody tried to, I guess, you know, grab me by, I used to never wear my, I, I used to never, I never wear my hair in a ponytail because I had listened to this audiobook by an FBI specialist that said that that's the number one way that um, runners are, basically attacked is someone will jump out of like a bush and grab them by the ponytail and pull them into the bush. So I used to wear my hair in pigtails or like in a high bun or a low side ponytail, something like that, a French braid um, instead of a ponytail. And I used to wear my hair in a ponytail when I would go on runs. And imagine if you're training for a marathon, you could be out running for like third, uh, five hours, three, five hours, um, far, far, far from your car, from your home. Um, and so it could be dangerous in that respect. So make sure that you don't give anyone anything that they can snatch. So they can't snatch a backpack behind you and pull you back, um, a shirt that's dangling off of you, you know, your ponytail, things like that. Okay. I now run with a baton that is formulated to for protection. Um, I do this because I run, or I excuse me, I now walk with. Um, I do this because I walk with my dog, and I want to make sure that I don't run into like a stray dog or a dog off leash because my dog has been attacked before, and I want to be able to protect us. So I run with a baton. So my first goal is to blow my whistle or clap my hands, blow my whistle. I've also um, been out with my dog and there's been like a coyote stalking my dog. So, you know, the first thing you do is you try to get the attention of the coyote or the fox or, you know, the mountain lion or the dog, whatever it is that's coming toward you or stalking you. And you try to scare it away by being bigger and braver, right? And if that doesn't work, then you, um, sorry, my little puppy, I'm going to put you guys on a brief hold. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't sound too crazy on the episode. So, um, so now I, you know, you want to first make sure that you try to scare the animal away. If that doesn't work, blow your whistle. Usually that will work. 
Um, if you're, you know, facing something other than a stray dog or a dog coming at you, like let's say a coyote or something is just standing there stalking or watching you, just pick your dog up if your dog is small enough and put it towards your chest and then you guys become one. That usually works. Um, never turn your back on the animal. So I usually walk backward so that I can keep my eyes engaged to if this is a predator. And if that is still coming at me, then I will, um, I have some specialty dog mace that isn't meant to hurt my dogs or that dog if it comes up, um, but it will stun them enough to get them away. So if I need to do that, like let's say it's a dog off leash, so um, it's not a stray dog and it's not an attack dog, but it's a dog that's threatening, then I will spray that. If it's a, a violent or aggressive dog, then I will use the baton and I would just hit the dog on top of the head, which a friend of mine who's um, in animal patrol said that that was the best idea. It's not meant to like kill the dog or hurt the dog. I don't even know if I could, I could do that, but it will stun them and stop them. And then also typically you don't even need to get to that point where you need to, you know, hit another dog you could probably just put the stick out or the baton out um, and create a barrier between you and that animal and if you're walking your dog your dog needs to be trained enough to know to come behind you or to let you do the work if your dog tries to engage and and fight with that dog then you might have a problem because then that dog's going to attack right so there's some training that needs to be involved with, with your animal. But if you're by yourself, these are all really great tactics as well. Also, in addition to, if you are worried about your own safety from a human, then you also need to take uh, further precautions. So having mace, um, possibly a stun gun, um, whatever it is that you're comfortable with using, that you're trained with using, is important. And then, obviously... Make sure you're walking in places that are typically safe. So, you know, I'm never going to walk somewhere that has a history of being unsafe for women to walk. I'm not going to walk at night, even in the most safest neighborhood by myself, because I just don't want to be a crime of opportunity for somebody else. I was walking my dog um, a few years ago at the college here at the university and there's this huge pond that's in the middle of the university people go there hang out eat lunch it's a very popular place to go um i also used to um uh be over there for other reasons like i used to teach a workshop that was right across the street from the university so i thought you know what i'm gonna take my dog to this university and walk him because it's so beautiful the campus is gorgeous and i went on like a saturday where it's usually just families there it's, you know no students typically or very few students and i was walking my poodle and um across the street from the university is kind of a sketchy area of town on the on one side of the university and we were kind of getting closer to that area of the university which I probably should have steered clear of but had, I wasn't really thinking and a gentleman walked from across the street onto campus and I knew something was up with him immediately because it was the middle of summer and he was wearing a leather jacket so I already knew that there was something I needed to keep keep in the back of my mind and I 
was far enough from him to where, you know, I wasn't in imminent danger, but I was also, we were both headed towards the same direction and I had to go in that direction. I couldn't even turn around because it would have been more dangerous for me to turn around and then him decide to go that way then there it would have been harder to get out of there. Whereas where we were both going was like kind of an open area where eventually we were going to run into people. And there was myself, my dog, and there was another woman, but she was probably a student. And we were the only people with this now strange man walking in the same direction. And for a good amount of distance, we were all going to be sort of alone in this space. But still distant from each other enough to at any point be able to um, widen the gap instead of shorten the distance, right? So he wasn't going to be able to just walk right up to me at any point. He would have had to start running. So I could tell that he was up to no good um, in my peripheral because he just, he had like a vibe about him. His intention just seemed really off. And so as he's walking, I'm not necessarily able to see him like close, but I can still see where his whereabouts were. And my dog wasn't really phased by him, and my dog is very high alert. So uh, my poodle wasn't very, like, you know, at all phased. He he knew somebody was there, but he wasn't, like, you know, staring at him, looking back at him, looking over to him, barking, nothing. So I just made sure I kept in the side of my mind where he was at all times. Then at one point, I couldn't see him anymore. And I knew the girl was still a little bit, a few steps ahead of me, but she was starting to kind of yield right. And I was going to be still going straight. And then he could choose which way he wanted to go. And he had slowed down because I couldn't see him in my peripheral anymore. So I decided to, to turn around and make sure I knew where he was. And then I saw him open up a switchblade. Okay, so this got really crazy really fast. And I didn't know where he was looking because he never gave me eye contact. And I wasn't sure if he was coming for me or going for her. And she was too far over for me to scream and yell for her. She was like leaving into the distance. And I just took off running. I don't know if he was coming for me or not, but I just took off running and my dog just instinctively followed me. And we just ran, 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 ran until I ran into a huge group of people by the pond. Then I was able to stop running, look back. Obviously, I had outrun him. He probably went for the other, toward the other woman. I called campus security, reported everything, and I left, basically. And that lesson for me was not to go anywhere walking. And I was in, it was early. It was like probably before noon. So it was not even like, you know, after 3 p.m., things start to get a little bit questionable depending on where you're at. I realized then that I couldn't take any risks because I used to walk my dog pretty much at any park. You know, I would travel to parks around the city just so he could get something new. Like, But then I started learning different places. Some people let their dogs off the leash even though it's not like a dog park. Um, certain areas of town, people were really respectful about picking up poo and other areas they weren't. Um, and so I would now go out of my way to drive to an area of town where I felt like I could really trust the owners for the most part to have their dogs on leashes to pick up the poo. Just really um, nicer areas of town, even if that took me 15 minutes to drive there. And where I live, 
is more of like a metropolis area. So I'm like mid city where you get everything. You get like businesses, you get, um, you know, every type of person lives because I live right in the middle of town. So I'm like right off of all the major highways and I'm in a gated community. So in my community, everything's fine. But like the parks that surround my community are kind of like, it just depends. Sometimes there's people playing tennis and everybody's like on their higher vibrations and, you know, there's fun festivals and, and there's farmer's markets. And then sometimes there's homeless people sleeping and dogs off leashes and poo everywhere. So now I don't even visit those places. It's not worth it, right? Because of my own safety and the safety of my poodle. So I said all of that because when you go on walks, Pretty much the most important thing outside of the walking itself is making sure you're safe. You want to be able to be, I don't know if you can hear the puppy. You want to be able to be able to get into a meditative state, a mindful meditative walk. You cannot do that if your root chakra is not aligned, if you don't feel safe and secure. Okay, so safety, number one, making sure you're walking at a safe time, you feel safe, you're You've alerted somebody that you're walking. You know what your intentions are on the walk. You know where you're going. You're not going to get lost. Nothing like that. You have your keys. You're not going to lose your keys. If you're taking an animal, you can protect the animal. The animal's trained. Um, so on and so forth, okay? Then you want to be able to focus on breath. You want to breathe, you want to observe, you want to see the birds, you want to hear them, you want to pay attention to the sky, you want to feel the wind, you want to hear children laughing, you want to, you know, notice the cars that are going by, you want to pay attention to your surroundings, not only for safety, but for meditative, mindful reasons. You want to get into the present. If you're talking to a family member, you want to be really intentional while on the phone, or a loved one, I should say. Or if you're coming up with creative ideas, you want to start on your walk going, you know what, today I want to come up with a podcast idea. I want to start a podcast. You know, what am I wanting to talk about? What could I go years and hundreds of episodes talking about and it probably never tire me? And I would want to do it for free. And if I make money doing it, awesome, but that's not my intention or is that my intention? You brainstorm or you have a project coming up at work or you're going through a tough time or you're going through a loss financially, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is. And you want to start your walk just like you start your yoga practice by setting an intention. So I just wanted to kind of blab a bit, I guess, on this episode, but I am going to do a more intentional episode so I can have it as a main because I'm going to make this a breezy breed blab since I talked so much about my personal life on here. But thank you. Thank you for listening. I could tell my little Yorkie Poo Bella, my little Bella Mia here wants to play. So I'm going to sign off. I hope you got some nuggets out of today's episode and the next episode will be more intentional about how you can turn your walking into a moving meditation. Go in peace. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. 
please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste. Namaste.